This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. The Boston Bruins had the best NHL regular season ever and lost in the first round to Florida. The Colorado Avalanche won the Stanley Cup last year and lost in the first round to Seattle. Florida barely made it in the playoffs. Seattle's in their second year of existence. These are two huge upsets. And it makes you realize that if the Penguins had made the playoffs, if they had just managed to sneak in there, uh, the Penguins lose to Boston in four straight. I mean, come on. Old, slow, not physical. Bad goaltending. No Matthew Kachuk. Every team should get a Kachuk. Make it fair. Welcome to the Mark Madden Podcast. You're on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Uh, Jacob Truba drilled another guy in the head. But the New York Rangers lost to New Jersey and are out of the playoffs. That's what the NHL wants. They're stupid old Canadians who like hits in the head because being Canadian, they often got hit in the head during their misspent youth. I'm joined now by my co-host, Tom Offerman. Tom, uh, let's jump right to what people want to talk about, which is the Steeler draft. Which Steeler draft pick do you like most and which do you like least? As far as me personally, I like the Darnell Washington pick the most. And I think, you know, if you take that pick with one of your first three picks, then you can kind of criticize it. But at that point in the draft, I think you could afford to take a luxury. As far as instant impact is concerned, the first pick is the best pick. Broderick Jones, I think, is going to start day one. I think he should step onto St. Vincent's campus as your left tackle with the ones. And I think he has the ability I, I, to be an I, I bet pro. it don't happen that way. But that's a mistake, don't you think? you got to give that guy as many reps as he possibly can get. Totally agree. That's not how they work. Yeah, you're probably right there. Do you think, though, they'll do the usual thing where he's not the starter at training camp, but by the time week one rolls around, he's inevitably the left tackle? I'm like you. I don't see any need for a charade. I just yeah. make him the left tackle, like you said, so he get all the reps. I'd, I'd make him the left tackle from the opening day of, of OTAs, for heaven's sakes. Uh, I see Jones as the best draft pick. Uh, obviously, first rounder, solves a long-term problem, protects Kenny Pickett. Washington might be very good. I don't disagree with that pick, but you used the word, uh, the phrase luxury pick. It, it is that they just didn't need a tight end, and, and they're still weak at inside backer. But then again, there weren't many inside backers of any repute available in the draft period. That's how Jack Campbell from Iowa, who I thought the Steelers might get with the 49th pick, jumped all the way up to the first round to Pick number 18 to Detroit. Yeah, I think they would have had a pretty decent debate at pick number 49 between Benton and Jack Campbell if they were both sitting on the board. Oh, no, no, no debate. It would have been Jack Campbell. But, you uh, take Jack Campbell in that situation. Absolutely. Okay. Not even, I mean, considering need. I, I think, I, I don't. Put inside linebacker a little bit ahead of D-line. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, is D-line weak right now, do you think? It's not, but I do think Benton has a chance to start. 
this season as a rookie. I think he has a chance to get a lot of snaps. I saw that as them hedging their bet for how long True. Cam Hayward plays or can be effective. No, I think that's fair. But, yeah, when Jack Campbell went off the board with a reach of the Lions at number 18, yeah, I think that was the only inside linebacker that was really maybe worth it. Damn, I know Trenton Simpson from Clemson got some runs, but his running mate at Clemson was a lot better than he was last year. So I think he – and he projects to be like a top 10 player. I think Jack Campbell was the only guy yeah. who was going to come in and play for Which somebody. Which is why I think the Lions probably felt that they needed no to question. reach on him. No question. Because they felt they needed an inside backer and he was the best one available. You asked me what the worst pick was? I have a lot of trouble trying to figure that one out. I mean, Spencer Anderson's probably the pick that doesn't do anything for me. I, I think we're making I think we're making too big a fuss over all the picks past Washington, but we always do. That's the nature of the draft. And we also forget that Baltimore and Cincinnati drafted too. Like we're talking about how much the Steelers have improved. It wasn't like the Ravens and Bengals gave players back, <laughs> you know, guys that were on their roster. Like they gave them back in the draft. And Baltimore went out and got that Zay Flowers, the receiver. Yeah, they filled a big need in the first yeah, round. Yeah, and, and I don't think they have an elite receiving core, but I think it's much better. You know what's weird? If Beckham understands that he's not the old OBJ and settles for doing what he can of being a glue guy. He could help a lot. I just don't know if his ego will allow that. And I think the Bengals drafted really smart. They have to start getting younger and cheaper on the defensive side of the ball because the offensive side of the ball is about to become crazy expensive. So they take their first three picks on the defensive side of the ball. They lose two members of their secondary and free agency. Two more members of the secondary come in in this draft class. And then with their next three picks, they go wide receiver, running back, wide receiver. So they start to you know see if they can find maybe a diamond in the rough third or fourth option for Burrow. Maybe one of those receivers replaces Tyler Boyd or T. Higgins down the line. Because they're not going to keep... Uh... They'll keep that Jamar. That trio's going to go. Yeah. They, they won't keep all three. That's right. Which brings me to my next question. Uh, and by the way, I feel a lot better about Joey Porter Jr. at 32 100%. than I would have at uh, 17. He, he gets a little bit of the crony pick washed off him by you know being picked a, a little bit later. There's a little less pressure, too. But the question is, can Porter cover Jamar Chase? Because he has to. The Steelers have got to close the gap on the Bengals. Because Joe Burrow could win that division for 10 more straight years. I think he could. And I think Joey Porter Jr. has the potential to guard a receiver like Jamar Chase. But Joey Porter Jr., I think, will get ahead in the NFL with his size at the line of scrimmage, jamming wide receivers. And, you know, a lot of receivers don't want to have to fight those five yards to get into their route. So he can really just you know, will them into submission at the line of scrimmage. But guys like Chase and guys like A.J. Brown are big dudes that like to bang right. a little not bit. Not shrinking violets. No, not at all. So they're not afraid to bang but, but, in the five-yard window. Job. That's the job. I mean, like I said, every pick the Steelers made, I find myself thinking, okay, does it close the gap on Cincinnati? And for that matter, does it close the gap on Baltimore? Because right now, both those teams are still better than the Steelers. Yes, agreed. And Jamar Chase, back to Joey Porter Jr. covering him, I think your best bet is at that line of scrimmage. Like I said, yes. he can still get off the line. He can still get into his route. He can get Might not always yards, work, but yeah. But that's your best bet. So I like that the Steelers are going that route with their corners because just trying to stick with a guy step for step, you might be able to do that speed-wise, but he's going to rise above you and he's going to take the ball almost 100% of the time. Do you think they'll deploy Porter as a cornerback who lines up against the opposition's top receiver, you know, follows him from side to side? I think initially they might just pick sides, you know, keep, Peterson on one side, keep Porter Jr. on the other side, and not Peterson follow. can't cover Jamar Chase. So you would maybe see maybe a shadowing of Minka Fitzpatrick in that situation. I don't know if they maybe. would. Maybe I don't know if they maybe. would make Porter Jr. that trail well, guy it, it, right away. Just saying it out loud. 
You know why they wouldn't make Porter Jr. the guy who goes from side to side yeah. and follows a receiver? Because it would be a blow to Patrick Peterson's ego. True. And I also think, do you really want to throw your rookie into that fire right away? Yes. You do? Yes, because, hey, they're not going to – we'll talk about this in a minute. They're not going to win a division this year. They're not going to win a playoff game this so year. So trial by fire. You, you may as well get him doing what you're going to have him doing in the long run. It's like what people pointed to with Dan Moore and how great he did against Miles Garrett, even though he didn't do amazing against Miles Garrett. But they were like, oh, these reps are just going to pay off in the long run when he's playing against elite talent like this. It's the same thing. If he yeah. goes up against Jamar Chase twice I think that's a year, true. covers him you know, on – all of his routes, then he's just going to get better in the long run. But just saying it out loud, they they won't do they won't that. Do that. Um, where are the Steelers still weak? I said uh, a minute ago, inside backer. I'm not sold on Mason Cole at center as being the guy they want in the long run. Definitely inside backers at the top of the list right now, and I think you know so early on. But that's what you look at at the 2024 draft class with is your inside backer. Um, I still think edge rusher is not solved. Because T.J. Watt and Highsmith are going to get hurt. Do you, I know, do you buy Herbig? Is is I mean, I think it's a good option to have. I think it's nice to throw another cook into that kitchen, but I don't think that he's going to come in and just be the number three automatically and, and give you three and a half, four sacks a year. I like when his brother said that, that you know he's the one guy I can't block. What was his brother going to say? I don't know why they drafted him. He sucks. I hope his brother can lo- block a lot better than just him. For the Steelers' sake. I think that'll be required. And, yeah, I think you can always just get better on the— I think you should always look to improve your offensive line. I mean, even— Look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia drafts backups on the offensive and defensive lines, you know, with high picks. Right. And look how, you know, when when older guys bleed out, leave via free agency, they're still all set. Yeah, and, I, you know, a shelf life with that position, who knows? A guy gets an injury, he's never the same— it's always wise, I think, to keep that cupboard stocked if you're a front office. So, yeah, I agree. Inside backer, and then that offensive line is still always at the top of the list. Now, the linebackers they got in free agency, uh, Roberts and Holcomb, to me it was like changing dirty underwear. It's a, you know, <laughs> it's like a different set of a stink. I, I just don't trust either of them. Yeah, it's kind of like, remember when they finished dead last and rushing a couple years ago and people were like, well, they can't get much worse? That's kind of how I feel with these two. Like, they're not going to be superstars, but... I have to imagine they're going to be better than what you saw last year for that inside Or, or maybe before. stay healthy. Yeah, at least stay healthy. I mean, I remember there was that stat with, like, splash plays where it's, like, tackle for loss, sack, forced fumble, and the entire linebacking core for the Steelers had, like, one combined for the entire season. Like, Landon Roberts had, like, five of those numbers. So, at the very least, you're getting somebody that yeah, makes no, more no. of an impact. I, I know what you mean. And, like, I mean, I wasn't disappointed in Bush last year. I knew he would stink. He's going to stink. Okay, Miles Jack disappointed me. I thought it would be a lot better. I thought... I thought we were getting a better player than that when he when he came over from Jacksonville. Yeah, I just think he shot because he was pretty decent early in the season, and then as the rigors of the season were on, he just he couldn't take it anymore. Are the Steelers a playoff team? See, I hesitate to say no just because of that seventh seed now makes it a nine and eight or a ten and seventeen could get lucky, beat the right teams, well, and get uh, in. They were nine and eight last year, didn't get in. They didn't get the bounce to go their way, but they were close. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I I think they're nine and eight, ten and seven. I think they're yeah. right on the border, but I think all that gets them is killed in the first round. Then again, it would be a step in the right direction. I don't think they're close to winning a playoff game. Do you? Especially given that they're not going to win the division, which means they got to go through an elite quarterback in that wild card round. Right, and we've said several times on this podcast, if you're going to have any chance at all, you'd think you'd have to get the five seed, and they're not going to get the five seed. If they're going to get into the playoffs, it'll be that team that got the bounce to go the right way or a Jets field goal that went in against the Dolphins to break your way to get the seventh seed, and they'll get slaughtered by whoever is the team that has to play in the first round and didn't get the bye. 
On my prior podcast, Tim Benz and I drafted the AFC quarterbacks. Let's simplify that, Tom. Where does Pickett rank right now among AFC North quarterbacks? Give me one through four. I'm going to put him at fourth. I mean, I'm tempted to put him above Deshaun Watson. But Watson's while, kind of a wild card. Yeah, but I've seen Watson play at a much higher level than we could even imagine Kenny Pickett right now. He's going to be good. I think he's going to be pretty decent this year. A full offseason as the guy, and you can put kind of those things behind him that are off the field now and focus on playing football for the Browns. So I'm putting Kenny at fourth right now, and I think the only place he can climb to at the end of 2023 is third in front of Deshaun Watson. I don't see him becoming better than Lamar Jackson if Lamar stays healthy, and he ain't ever touching Burrow. Lamar's funny because... You know, people don't want to acknowledge that he he lost his gambit. I mean, he got a lot of money, but he didn't get what he wanted. Uh, he settled. It's, that's it's a good way to put say it. He lost. He settled. That, that's a, that's million, a better yeah. word. And I don't think he's ever going to win a Super Bowl. I think Ben's description of him of lacking in the pocket—that's one I've applied myself prior to Ben. In fact, I think Ben probably copied it from me. <laughs> and and uh, but his regular season record is incredible. He won't ever win a Super Bowl. Won't win any playoff games, but I think he's always going to make the playoffs because he kills bad teams. Like, if you're out there and you are a non-playoff team, he will expose every flaw you have. If you're a playoff team, well, maybe you don't have enough flaws for him to expose. So that so you assume that that gives you, what, like six to seven wins a year just by beating teams that are inferior to you on your on your schedule. And then, you know, you play against teams that are going to the playoffs in the regular season. You beat them sometimes, you beat them, sometimes you lose Even if you win like 40% of those right. games, you, you get, get to the a playoffs. 10 or 11 wins, right. and you're going to be making the playoffs more And he's going to do not. that in perpetuity, barring injury. That said, he's missed like, what, five games each of the last two seasons due to injury. And, and that number will get bigger, not smaller. I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl. I think I would have predicted that even if the era that he is in isn't oversaturated with amazing quarterbacks, especially in his conference. But that's a part of it, too. Like, he's a victim of his era, for sure. Like, he is just in the middle of Mahomes' dominance, Burrow dominance. He's just not a winning quarterback. I mean, that sounds absurd to say with his regular season record, but you know what I mean. Regular season doesn't mean anything. I just don't ever see him, for example, I don't ever see him beating Joe Burrow in a playoff game. That's very hard to imagine. Mahomes the same way. Yes, it's hard to imagine him going into beating one of those two top dogs. Even, even Might be Allen. able to beat Josh Allen because, come on, it's Buffalo. He Buffalo could on, blow it. Yeah, he had him on the ropes. Well, that's true. That's true. And then he threw a pick six. Yeah, okay, so forget it. Right forget it. House. A- end of conversation. <laughs> Let's go to five guys. What do you got? All right, today's five guys are horrible bosses in movies who aren't in the movie Horrible Bosses. And by the way, Horrible Bosses, both movies yeah. were tremendous. I wanted to talk about that before we got to this list. Tremendous. How do you rank the Horrible Bosses in Horrible Bosses? I'd go Spacey as number one because he's just a diabolical bastard. And then Colin Farrell's character is number two because he's just an idiot. And then is Jen Aniston really a bad boss? I mean, she is, but I feel like Charlie's more of a bad victim there well, or a bad uh, well, employee. Well, I, I would rank Spacey one. I would rank Aniston two. Colin Farrell was more of a buffoon. <laughs> Such a buffoon. But, 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 but the thing with, with Aniston is to see the super hot woman in the role of sexual harasser yeah. as a predator. Flip the tables. I mean, we shouldn't be allowed to say it's really funny, Tom, but it was really funny, right? I, I think you're right, but I think Spacey by far takes the cake. Like, I love when he invites Jason Bateman into his office and he's like, have a drink. No, come on, go ahead, have a drink. And then he's drinking. He's like, Jesus, it's nine in the morning. Are you kidding me? Get it together. <laughs> Okay, who are the who are the horrible bosses who aren't? Um, by the way, shout out to Jamie Foxx too. Oh yeah, 
as uh, MF or Jones. Yeah, no question. Great name, too. Okay, <laughs> who are the uh, horrible bosses who weren't horrible bosses? All right, number five. It's from a movie that I haven't seen, but I was told I have to include it. Franklin Hart Jr. from the movie 9 to 5, played by Dabby Coleman. Oh, my God. You never saw that? Never saw 9 to 5. Yeah, he, he's... But br- I heard he was a real son of a bitch. He's brilliant, and... Uh, who was it? Dolly Parton, Jane Fonda, and Lily Tomlin. Yeah, I read a little synopsis. That's a very memorable movie. I, I read a little synopsis online to prepare for this, and it's creative that they made Dolly Parton's character leave to become a country western singer at the end. It's well, good writing. Lily Tomlin, geez, that's good writing, Dickie. Uh, Lily Tomlin is a comedic genius. Yes. And I don't think she gets enough credit. I mean, I remember her from laughing as, as the, as the uh, telephone operator. That's. What year were you born? 1994. Okay, so that's approximately 20 years after <laughs> laughing. Okay, what else you got? All right, number four, I got Gordon Gecko, Michael Douglas's character in Wall Street. Okay, now was he a boss or a manipulator? That's a little bit of a gray area because he did give Bud Fox, Charlie Sheen's character, pretty much everything that he would want. and you're Inclu- right, Including Daryl Hannah. You're right, he wasn't like a report to for Charlie Sheen's character, but I mean, come on, he really was. Like, he was working for him. And they did a lot of shady stuff it's, together behind the scenes. It's a great scenes. character, great movie. Did you see the sequel? Never saw the sequel. Not as great, don't bother. But yeah, uh... Is he in the sequel, Michael Douglas? Yes. Okay. Yes, he's out of jail and everything. Uh, and so is Charlie Sheen, for that matter. <laughs> yeah, I-, I thought the Gecko character was great. I also thought the way he presented himself as a baby face, while he was always a heel, I'm just trying to make you money. Exactly. Like at the one investors meeting right. for the, what, Teldar or whatever yeah. it was? Yeah, that, that's a great choice. Okay, who else you got? Number three, I got Frank Cross, Bill Murray's character in Scrooge. I mean, just a classic play on the all-time worst boss, Scrooge, but what a great movie. You don't I, like it that much, do you? No, not really. Okay. I, not one of my favorite Bill Murray movies, although I will say, Bill Murray has made some of the greatest movies ever. He is far from foolproof. Okay, He's Fair been enough. in some stinkers, too. You know what movie I never got? What was that with Scarlett Johansson, Lost in Translation? I've heard of that movie. I've never seen it. Okay, it's it more got, of a serious movie, right? It got all yeah. It got all this great reviews. I didn't get it even a little bit. You were lost in translation, like it, and then some. I watched the movie. At the end of the movie, I said, "Okay, I didn't notice a story. What <laughs> was the story?" So you think he's been in some stinkers? You don't like Scrooge, but you wouldn't classify that as a stinker. No, 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 no not just not just he's in such his, a jerk. Not just in his top, and you know what. By all accounts, he's pretty close to something like that in real life. Yeah, I know, which is telling when you see the character. Number two, Les Grossman, Tropic Thunder. No question. Oh, I would hate to work How, for that How's guy. that not number one? Because of Bill Lumberg from Office Space. Just a classic, terrible boss to work for. I never saw Office Space. Ooh, is it An- put- isn't Aniston in that, too? She is in that, yeah. She plays a waitress. Who was, the, who was like, the, the breakout star in that? Ron uh, Perlman was the, uh, the dude, the, the actor. Well, let's let's forget or about Ron that. Livingston, Livingston. Let's Sorry, forget about that because I haven't seen it. But yeah, uh, thinks that you haven't seen it. But he's an all-time just all bad boss. But uh, but uh, Les Grossman. Les Grossman. Okay, the, the 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 best the best scene in that movie is the meeting. You know, the, where he's like kind of on Zoom with the whole cast, and he goes to he goes, "Who's the key grip? I want you to punch that director in the face really hard." And then when he hits, it goes, Ugh. "Oh yeah." It's and, great. Bill Hader's character is great in that too. Like when they have the connection issue, and he's like, "Somebody get him a diet coke, diet coke, less, less." I've got you. Just and, an all-time great movie, and, and, and him and, threatening <laughs> Flaming Dragon. Oh, okay, Flaming Dragon at face. <laughs> yeah, but 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 to continue that scene we were talking about, how about when um when 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 he goes to Nick Nolte? Oh, sir, you're a true American hero. Thank you for your service. Now will you shut up so I can do my bleeping job? 
and, and Nick Nolte spits out the apple. I also lose it every time when he does the cuts the promo on the Flaming Dragon guy, hangs up the phone, so calmly turns to the room and goes, we don't negotiate with terrorists. And they applaud. Everybody, bravo, Les. <laughs> yeah, and like, in the, in the deadpan on the guy from Flaming Dragon when he starts getting promoted <laughs> was just priceless, too. That That is a great movie. And I'll tell you what, what displays what a great movie it is, Tom. Um, Robert Downey Jr. won an Academy Award for Supporting Actor in a slap, and he was in a slapstick comedy in an offensive role. I mean, by today's standards, I thought it was great. Offensive role, but a satirical role. It was poking fun of Hollywood no and question. miscasting people in the Could you roles. do it now? Absolutely not. I, I think you could. See, I don't even think there's room for that kind of satire. People would just lose their minds too much. They wouldn't see it as it is, and they would just react to what they're witnessing on the surface. A- another great line. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> it's really probably one of my favorite comedies of all time. I, I can watch it over and over a- again. A- no a- question. I mean, we didn't even talk about Danny McBride's character. Like, you just keep forgetting about great characters. Well, in that movie. Here's, how great, here's how great it was. Was that Ben Stiller, who, who I think is a comedic genius as well. Yes. He was mostly the straight man. <laughs> He mostly teed up everybody else, am I right? 100%. And he wrote the movie, too. Yeah. Which is just, it's one of his masterpieces. No, it took me a while to come around on Ben Stiller, but I'm a disciple now. He's been brilliant. He's great, yeah. Okay, um, we got the Pirates in Tampa starting tonight, Tom. Uh, Three-game series. It's the two best records in baseball. Is it a World Series preview? I think it has to be, right? I mean, no, it's not. Come on. 100%. Anytime that a team's do well in April, that translates to October success. <laughs> well, you know what I am intrigued about uh, with this series is we should keep in mind the Tampa Bay Rays have executed for years the exact thing the Pirates are trying to do. Yeah, 100%, especially the new part of what the Pirates are trying to do, signing players to long-term Yeah, who they contract. sign? They sign a few guys, right? Yeah, the big one is Wander Franco. He's a 21-year-old player. They signed him like a 10-year or 12-year deal. You know, overpriced for where he was at right now in his career, but it's going to start to become a deal for Bit them. of a gamble. Bit, Bit of a gamble. gamble. But, I mean, he's hitting over 300 right now. He, he's one of their best players. So Have they tied up like our Rose gonna... Arena? I'm not sure about that. He's pretty good. He is pretty good. But that's the thing about the Rays, kind of what you're alluding to. They lose a Rosarena's all the time, and then another a Rosarena just seems to crop his and, and head back up. And nobody shows up. They can't sell tickets. I, I know. And they have a dump of an arena, too. I mean, they play in that dome. Well, here's the thing. They need to move them to Out someplace. Bay. Montreal. They should go to Montreal. The Expos are such a great franchise in the MLB. They absolutely need to be back. I agree with that. The Quebec economy's not great, though. That's why in the NHL, every time somebody talks about an expansion team for Quebec City, they, they cite the economy, and everyone involved goes, oh, yeah, you're right. Well, and you remember they keep kicking around that, well, what if they played like a hybrid Montreal and Tampa Bay Rays thing? Can't do that. Just rip the Band-Aid off and take the team out of Tampa right, Bay. Right, right. Neither town would support it then. 100%. Montreal would for a year to try to, you know, woo them into coming full-time. Well, you got to at least try it, right? Because Tampa Bay has proven time and time again, even if a winner's on the field, they ain't going to show up. So we're going to put this thing in Montreal, and maybe it fails in Montreal too, but these fans deserve at least a shot. You've gotten your chance several times and failed. Oh, here's my top three list. Uh, top three teams left in the NHL playoffs. My number one is Dallas. They got stars at every level: Ottinger, uh, Heiskanen, Robertson, and and Rupe Hints, who has a great name, leads the playoffs in points. But I looked at the eight teams left. Ottinger is by far the best goalie left. In fact, he's the only good goalie left. He's the only goalie you trust left. I'm not kidding. Yeah, I'm trying to rack through my brain right now, and and you're right about that. Uh, so they're number one on your list. I'm interested to see if the team that they're playing in this next round is your number two. Uh, Dallas play- plays Seattle. 
Oh, I'm sorry. I thought they played the Oilers. My yeah, bad. No, Seattle is not. No, it's it's Edmonton and Vegas. Vegas and Edmonton. I got Toronto at number two. Uh, they're the best team except for the goaltending. See, Dynamic skating and skills. Matthews, Marner, etc. See, I was thinking you were going to go. I think it's setting up for McDavid right now. Well, Edmonton's third. I Edmonton's third. I would have. They're probably going to have to go through Dallas. You're right. I would have Edmonton one if, if, if Dallas didn't, didn't have Ottinger. Okay, yeah. and they didn't have Ottinger. Yeah, but Edmonton's star power is overwhelming, but I don't trust their goaltending. Like, yeah. every series Dallas plays in from here on out, they will have a profound goaltending edge. Don't you feel, though, that McDavid and Dreisaitl are— well, Dreisaitl actually wasn't suffocated that much in the King series when you look at it, but McDavid's going to feel a lot freer going up against Vegas than he did against the King series with Deneau and Kopitar. Like, he's going to be like, well, this is great. feels like there's no one even skating with me anymore. Why does that remind me of the movie Blades of Glory? Me and the Woodland Fairies, we feel free. Come be free with us. Um, uh, okay, uh, nobody's great. Uh, I know that because the great team's all lost already. Now, uh, there's a report Entourage might get a reboot, Tom. Uh, I don't know how many times you could tell the same story. I liked Entourage when I was in college, and I haven't really watched it again since. Does that make a lot of sense did to you? Did you see the movie? I did see the movie because I was in college right around the time that the movie came out. Oh, okay. Out. And you saw the series. Yeah, and I, I actually saw the movie before the series. Like, my friend had, I guess, premiere tickets to it, so I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll go. Kind of liked it. Okay, I'll see what the series is about. Liked it for the time, but, I mean, it, it's just about partying and Vince being famous. And friendship. And friendship, Like, like yeah. everybody can project, you know, their group of friends onto that group of friends. So they're doing, what, a reunion or a reboot? Uh, no, a total... nobody seems to know exactly what Mark Wahlberg talked about. They're just saying entourage. It. They're just they're, saying it's happening. Right, they're considering it. Like, what story could you tell, though? Here's my story. He should be in the gutter, right? That, like... that Vince has lost everything. Yeah. But Johnny Chase, because of his uh, Golden Globe he got at the end of the movie, in Hyde, <laughs> yeah, he he's the big star now, and he's supporting Vince. You flip it. Yeah. I do kind of like that. I, even if you don't have that angle where Johnny's successful, you got to put Vince in the gutter, right? Like just a drug addict, like have that kind he's of. He's finally doing. Remember, remember in the series when he was when when he was he was thinking of doing what's that dog movie he was going to do? Oh, I can't remember. Benji. Like I said, I haven't seen. He was going to do like a, a Benji movie. And then he rebought it. Well, now he's doing the Benji movies. He's doing the Benji movies. And like for scale. And then the whole plot of the new reboot or whatever it is, is him trying to get back to the top. Like he's trying to get back to that one big role. Nope. In my reboot, he has he zero chance. <laughs> right. Um, why don't those actors, because I thought they all did an excellent job in Entourage, why don't they ever get cast in anything else of note? I, I can't recall. I mean, Piven, but Piven had a career before he got there. Yeah, 100%. Like you... Watched Entourage, and when you saw Piven there, you were like, oh, cool, they got Jeremy Piven to be in this show. Like, he was that kind of a draw for that. It's a good call because you say, oh, well, all classic TV shows really have play people get typecast, but that's not always the case. I mean, there's usually one or two in a well, show like well, that that I break out. Well, I will out. say this. I have seen um, Adrian Grenier and and uh, and uh, Kevin Dillon in different movies, and every time I do, I think of them as... as uh, as Vincent Chase and Johnny Drama every time. like Kevin like, Dillon's so hard to not see Johnny Drama. Right, Kevin Dillon played John Densmore in the Doors movie. I mean, way back when. But every time I see the Doors movie, which was made long before, I think of him as Johnny Drama. Even sometimes when I see his brother Matt Dillon, I think of Johnny Drama. The guy in There's right, Something About Mary. Just they enough look alike. Exactly yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, here's, here's great trivia. I should do a show, I should do a podcast or a segment on my show, Mark Madden's Deck Hockey Trivia, where I talk about how when I played, I scored a goal on two NHL goalies, Mike Palmatier of the Maple Leafs in the tournament in Cleveland, Vincent Tremblay of the Penguins in a tournament in, I think, Buffalo, either Buffalo 
either Buffalo or Niagara Falls, but I think it was Buffalo. And uh, don't forget, Vincent Tromplet was the goalie that they called up when Roberto Romano played too well during the tank job in 84. <laughs> and, of course, I scored on him. Uh, here's another one. What what uh, what uh, Hollywood star did I coach against in deck hockey? Cool. I have no idea. You've never told this on the show. Kevin Connolly of Entourage. Oh, there you played, go. Played under 20 for the Long Island Untouchables. Was he pretty good? Uh, yeah, he could he could fly. Yeah, fly. a little speed guy. Right. He was every bit like you'd think he would be in deck hockey, like this this pesky winger. I don't even know if I've ever seen that guy in anything else. I'm sure he does other things. He's an actor. I like him. I mean- uh, As he? Uh, no, I like him as a guy. He, I don't remember. Okay. I don't remember much from back then, but everybody says what a great guy is. Plus, we converse on Twitter occasionally because he's a diehard Islanders and hockey fan. Oh, that's nice. So, yeah. like, he was definitely there for the series against the Canes in no. the house for some of those. Oh, games. no question. No, I think he live tweeted. <laughs> okay, we got good cop, bad cop. What do you got? All right, today's good cop, bad cop. I'm not sure if you're a fan of cereal. Are you a fan of cereal? Like breakfast cereal? Uh, yes, as a matter of fact. Okay, but, perfect but, then. That's be, the topic. You'd, you'd be shocked at, at the ones I like and don't like. Go ahead. Okay, good. Well, my good cop is Frosted Flakes. Love a good bowl of Frosted Flakes. Not the healthiest thing for you, but I I'm do I'm not love anti-Frosted it. Flakes, but do go on. And then my bad cop, I'm not a big Lucky Charms fan. No. I, I think no. they're really overrated. In fact, overrated. let me go on record as saying they are not magically delicious. Yeah, they're, I think, really overrated. People love them. I actually enjoy them sometimes in a cup dry, picking out the marshmallows. Ugh. But other than that, I'm not a fan. Well, this will strike you as odd, considering I'm a big fatso, and you would think I would eat like Frosted Flakes till I pass out. <laughs> okay, you know what my two favorite cereals are? Take a wild guess. Probably something with like Bran or something like that. Raisin Bran, yeah, number raisin one. Raisin Bran Crunch. Cheerios, number two. Oh, I love Cheerios. Honey Nut or just plain Cheerios? Well, plain is better for you. Yeah, I like them both. I will go off the board for Honey Nut, but usually, like my my first preference is Raisin Bran. My second preference is uh, is Cheerios. No, I like Cheerios. In fact, I, in fact, I, I'm going to be inspired to go buy Raisin Bran tonight. Nice. I like Cheerios and Honey Nut Cheerios. I think it kicks it up to another level. So, like, if you're feeling a little saucy, you get a little Honey Nut in there. Raisin, again, old guy talking. Raisin Bran will go right through you, boy. That's that's <laughs> that's one great thing from from Raisin Bran. I perhaps I I've I've said too much. I like the cereals too that are like desserts. Like, have you ever seen Cookie Crisp? It's just a bowl of mini cookies that you put in a bowl of milk. I consider Raisin Bran to be a dessert. I think a lot of cereals can fall into that category. Frosted Flakes is a borderline dessert. You don't want to be eating that at night. Well, you know, you know what I, you know, oh, Frosted. I'll tell you what, though, Frosted Flakes with the sugar. Oh. You want to get your kid off to school where the teacher's <laughs> going to want to kill him. Give it, give him Frosted Flakes. Uh, you, you know what I'm guilty of though, and I, I take like Raisin Bran and even decaf coffee, and I junk it up to with the, the point, sugars. Well, not no, not sugars. I like like in in like my order at Dunkin' Donuts is I get an extra large decaf. With five creams, eight mm. Splendas, which is like, I mean, that can't be good for your liver, your kidneys, whatever the frig. And, and the same thing with Raisin Bran. I'll put like eight Splendas on there. See, I do that with like Wheaties because I'm, I'm a fan of Wheaties. They're not the best, but I'll take like a big spoonful of powdered sugar and just shake it on top of the Wheaties and then pour the milk on top of it. Oh, powdered sugar. So good. Well, whatever whatever the, the sweetener is in Splenda or Equal or, you know, what I mean, there's all kinds of different ones and they're all bad for you. Okay, all terrible now, for now, you. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. If you're going to create a substitute for sugar, make it better for you than sugar. That's step one. Not just as bad for you in a different way, because that's what it is. Am I right? Why are we looking for an alternative if not to become better for the health purposes? That we're not looking for enhancing the taste of sugar. Sugar tastes amazing. Yeah, I, I, but I mean, which is worse? What the sugar or the substitutes? Right. I think the substitutes can actually be worse. They're I, both incredibly addicting, though. 
Like the most highly addictive substance in the world is sugar. Let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you. I mean, I don't want to. Oh, my God. And it's in everything. 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 Um, when I am feeling sluggish, one of the things I eliminate is Splenda, and I do feel better. There you go. And I feel that same way with sugar. Sugar gives you that quick pop, but if you avoid sugar for a while, you feel a little bit more natural energy. I think the best thing to do would be to just, I don't know, jump out a window. That's Tom Offerman. I'm Mark Madden. This is the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Remember, bet now from anywhere. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.